It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. I want you to think about this phrase that you've heard from the Biden administration. The Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. The Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. And what we've learned so far about this Inflation Reduction Act. What about the economics of it? Taxes, taxation in any form is part of an economic equation. And in policy, if the economics don't work, how and why are you, we, the American people, supposed to buy that the Inflation Reduction Act will reduce inflation? Nathan Klein former director of independent expenditures for America First, and uh, certainly a on-message pollster who also has been paying attention to the posts or the polls for this, joins me now. Nathan, good morning. Good morning, David. Thank you for having me on. So the numbers, yeah, you know, I like the numbers, Nathan. I looked for the numbers in the Inflation Reduction Act. I looked for the numbers and the policy combined and said, does this add up? So my question to you, does this add up? Well, not for voters. And that's really the key here. I think a lot of people, excuse me, a lot of people out in the real world are able to look at this proposal, able to understand that it's, it's not doing what what the Democrats are claiming when they proposed it. Now, we were able to do some surveys around this, and we just really found a lot of hesitation. Let's just start with the basic, most simple fact here. Voters say during this inflationary recession period, the government should stop spending money. That's a pretty simple thing for voters to understand, and they express that. A majority, nearly everywhere we've asked the question, um, and we on the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022, which is just the most ridiculous name they could have come up with here. But um, just before it came out, so we didn't have all the details. We had some rumors that we had to test. So we kind of tried to boil it down to that most simple, basic question. Should the government be passing a big spending bill right now in this economy? And majority, no. And we did this in four states that are important to the Democrats' ability to pass this. It was in West Virginia, Georgia, Nevada, and New Hampshire, all with key Senate votes on this legislation. And in each majority, just say, stop spending. Let's just start with that. There are details in here that we'll get into. um, But, you know, that's voters' gut reaction right now. And I think voters are pretty smart when it comes to this stuff. See, where that gut reaction comes from, excuse me, where that gut reaction comes from is, I think what is not being focused on enough by those who oppose the Biden administration and their tax and spend policies. The gut reaction is kitchen table. It's you cannot legislate a change in how the money is used or what it pays for. Uh, when prices are going up, no matter how much legislation you write, you can't print and borrow your way to success. It, it just doesn't work. Now, if that is the case, 
And I think that's fair to say across the board, no matter which party you ascribe to or support. So why is it that the politicians are doing this becomes the next question? Well, they're certainly not doing it for their voters. You know, I we look at this and we've seen the the left and the Democrats have had a lot of the priorities in here. Now that they've rolled out the legislation, what we see in the actual text is a lot of giveaways to the special interests that they've been focused on for a long time. Um, so they're taking money out. There's another aspect of this is where they're getting the money, right? Um, like you were talking about, there's a lot of taxation in here. They're also cutting money from Medicare to pay for other things, um, to pay for subsidizing electric vehicle batteries so that somebody making 200 grand can get a discount on their $100,000 Tesla. That's not what we need in this economy right now. And I think voters are getting that. But there's also the factor of where the money comes from, um, cutting Medicare by almost $300 billion dollars. And there's this argument in D.C., you know, is it is it really a cut because it's savings? Here's how we're going to do it. We're going to do this price setting scheme. And so it's not we're not cutting the money. We're just doing better negotiations. Voters don't buy it. They know that when you take three hundred billion dollars out of Medicare, you are cutting Medicare by three hundred billion dollars, especially if you're going to take that money and go spend it on something else, keeping the Obamacare program solvent, buying more electric cars. Um, so voters get that. This isn't a semantics debate the way some on the left would like it to be. They're trying to no, it's not a cut. It's more responsible governance. It's a cut. You're taking money out of the program. And it's a program that a lot of voters rely on. So what, and I guess I have to look at this uh, practically. Uh, we now have reports of uh, Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin at odds. By the way, Joe Manchin did exactly what I said he would do. Given the right amount of time and incentive, he came right around to being a big spending Democrat when it suits his purposes. Uh, and here we are. But now he and Kirsten Cinema, according to reports from uh, yesterday, uh, are, I don't know if it's at odds, but she's certainly taking her time to review this. And it's interesting you mentioned Kirsten Cinema because I had a chance to also do a survey in Arizona this week after we got a few more details about the bill. Um, and Arizonans, not a fan. Uh, a plurality of Arizonans, a majority of the independent voters in Arizona said they would be more likely to vote for Kirsten Cinema a couple years down the line if she blocked this bill. That is their preference. Um, we also looked at what happens to Mark Kelly, the other senator from Arizona, who has been supportive of this bill. But if this thing passes, before we told voters about what's in the bill, Mark Kelly was by a small margin winning in a Senate matchup in 2022 against his opponent that we just learned, Blake Masters, just won the primary. Um, after we talked about this bill, we said, if Mark Kelly helps pass this, now who are you voting for? Blake Masters is winning. Um, the voters are making it very clear their priority on this. And I think I think cinema is wise to take a take a pause and consider this. As you said, Joe Manchin did what he always does, which is grandstand for a little bit and then turn around and give the Democrats whatever they want. Um, and it may be the realization that with this election coming up, this is their last chance to pass something. So they're giving up the giving up the fraud that, you know, they're going to somehow have responsible governance and focus on inflation and the other main concerns of voters. And they're saying, we just got to push through these special interests now before we lose the ability. 
My guest, Nathan Klein, on message, pollster, former director of independent expenditures for America First. And uh, you can go to his website, onmessageinc.com. A lot of good information there, by the way, Nathan. Uh, It's so good to hear that. Back to Mansion Cinema, Kelly, Arizona, for a moment. No surprise on Mansion. And when it comes to cinema... The, the the states changing out of, I would say, necessity and politicians change more out of necessity often than not. In other words, political survival. Uh, I, I'm going to say the same thing. I don't trust Kirsten Cinema any more than I trust Joe Manchin, except... And I don't look, I get it. They shouldn't be chasing her into a bathroom. Everybody, I don't care if I agree or disagree with you, has a right to go to a bathroom, you know, and just have a little privacy in that moment. But for her, it's still survival when I look at her voting record and I look at her constituencies' issues that are changing and driving potential votes, which you're talking about in your polling. So, what else are you discovering if anything that says that this has a chance of being stopped well i do think you've hit the nail on the head here and that this is a question of if cinema is going to get on board or not now cinema is not on the ballot herself until 2024 but as i was mentioning this bill passing could have a significant impact on her colleague from arizona mark kelly the other democrat senator if she wants to protect him She might have to kill this thing. Um, I don't know if that'll actually be enough to protect him in this year that we've got coming up because we are seeing a lot of other factors in Arizona in terms of how people are voting. They're frustrated with the inflation. They don't think D.C. is listening. They need a check and balance on Joe Biden. I mean, one of the things that I skipped over up at the top of this conversation, these surveys, is none of the national Democrats in any of the five states that I've mentioned including Arizona, none of these national Democrats have below a 50% unfavorable or disapprove rating. Um, So there is this resistance to the Democrat leadership. Joe Biden, 59% disapprove in West Virginia, 52 in Georgia, 57 in Nevada, 54 in New Hampshire, and 55 in Arizona. So there is this political headwind. But if Mark Kelly and if Kirsten Sinema wants to help him, um, their only chance might be to stop this thing from passing, regardless of whether they think it's a priority for their donors. Um, Cause it is, you know, they haven't, they have no credible messengers, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, they're all upside down in their numbers. So there's nobody's going to fly into this state and explain to voters why this is a good bill. That's not going to work. They already dislike the concepts that are in the bill, you know, raising taxes on the middle class, taking money out of Medicare and using it to pay for Obamacare and a bunch of green boondoggles. Um, they're not a fan of that. So this thing could take what was probably not going to be a great election for the Democrats and turn it into a route, quite frankly. You know, as you mentioned, uh, Mark Kelly, and I, I don't know if you've uh, polled on this specifically, but the Biden administration flat out trying to save his butt electorally by doing this, we're going to close the gaps in some walls in the Arizona-Mexico border, the big problems in Texas. It's all a problem, don't get me wrong. But they're trying to give Mark Kelly a chance at making a, quote, I'm for border security message in his state. Uh, Has that uh, crossed your radar? It's. It's an interesting move. It's something that we saw Democrats begin to embrace about two to three months ago when they realized how bad things were getting electorally. 
you know, I don't know if you saw this, but Maggie Hassan, the senator from New Hampshire, who's up uh, for election this year, she traveled down to the border sometime around February or March this year and made a video saying we need to complete building this barrier. And that was a moment when you look at it and you see a Democrat standing in front of the border on camera running ads in New Hampshire, which is one of the furthest states from the border in the entire country, saying that we need to finish building the wall. It was clearly a big, pivotal moment politically for the the beginning of that moment for the Democratic Party. You mentioned they're doing they are now are actually completing portions of the wall in Arizona where Mark Kelly is in trouble. I find it quite amusing they're not doing so in Texas because everybody knows that Beto O'Rourke has no chance of winning a race there. So why bother trying to help him? Um, but in Arizona, it is a factor. I mean, this is a top two issue for swing voters in Arizona. We see inflationary concerns and economic concerns are number one across the board just about everywhere with swing voters and certainly with conservatives. But not far behind that is border security and, you know, the downstream impacts that lack of border security is having, both financial uh, with regard to the trafficking issues that are being brought up, the crime issues, and certainly the drug issues, which affect the entire country, not just those border states. Um, so I think yeah. the White House does see that as a huge vulnerability. The polling certainly certainly shows that it is, and they're trying to shore up their flank there. But I, I think this is going to be a case of too little, too late. When we look at the data, honestly, by the time you hit the summer, a lot of these macro issues from an electoral standpoint are kind of baked in. There is no point at which between now and Election Day, I think that Joe Biden is going to be able to convince swing voters in this country that he's doing a good job with regard to economic stewardship. And I think the story is going to be the same with regard to border security. It's just too late with a couple of small actions to convince anybody that he's really taking this seriously. Yeah. You know, let's flip the flip the coin here and go to the Republican side on this and all your points taken and the fact that these issues have become local, whether it's the rape of a 10 year old in Ohio or Maggie Hassan, by the way, uh, they're seeing more and more of an influx in New Hampshire of illegal aliens in Manchester and Nashua. Uh, of course, they're in Concord. You know, you see similar. So they're moving out of Massachusetts and up into New Hampshire. Uh, they're, they're seeing this in so many ways at the local level. Republicans, you know, and, and I'm not one to get overconfident. And I wonder how overconfident and maybe to their you know, not to their benefit, Republicans are getting. Uh, they they make little show or a show of uh, the yes, uh, yes, Lee Vegas, uh, the other candidates, Myra Flores in Texas. But the I'm I'm concerned about overconfidence that suddenly what's obvious and what you and I are discussing will drive voters to them. Well, I certainly think that there is um, that it is fair to be concerned about overconfidence. I'm I don't think that it's happening too much. Uh, certainly, there are examples here and there. There are certain people, um, but you know, I think that there is a way. This will this will be a good year. I'm going to put down a marker. This will be a good year electorally for Republicans. But the difference between it being a good year and a great year is in our hands. Um, you know, Democrats have been winning elections for a long time, just like us, the professionals who work on it, the politicians who put their names on the ballot. They're not bad at this. Um, you know, they've done a poor job actually governing, which is why we have the opportunity to change course here. 
but they know how to campaign. They know how to raise money. They know how to blanket the airwaves with lies. We could, if we rest on our laurels, we will be in trouble here. And I have seen some of the Democrat playbooks. They'll put out a strategy memo here or there from one of their um, smarter strategists and try to get everybody rowing in the same direction. And they've got a plan. Um, This is something that we've actually seen over the summer, that they are managing to galvanize their base a little bit with policies like this horrible tax and spend bill that we're discussing. Um, But other issues that they're talking about, other more sensitive issues to their base, whether it's pushing for uh, more gun control and gun confiscation or other debates that have been coming up this summer. And we have seen that they they do have a pathway to essentially staunch the bleeding um, at a certain point. As I said, it will be a good November um, but it could be a great November if we really work hard here. And this is really about working hard and talking to the voters. This isn't about changing message. This isn't about changing policy. I've got, as we've discussed, five surveys here that show just talking about this issue that they are trying to pass legislatively in Washington, D.C., can flip votes if we don't get distracted and just communicate with voters. Um, and that is that is really the key here is when you look at the policies they actually embrace, not the things that they try to distract us with. It is unpopular with voters because it is not good for the economy, it is not good for our voters' wallets, it is not good for that kitchen table conversation. It just doesn't make sense. Why would you look at a recession with inflation at 9.1% and say now is the time to take $300 billion away from the Medicare program? What kind of sense I'll, does I'll, that make I'll answer voter? that in part. Because the average voter out there doesn't go to that level. And voter lack of information, misinformation, apathy, unwillingness to dig a little bit deeper. Why I have you on the show, why I talk about these issues, why we engage with each other uh, is because it's out there. The apathy, the lack of information, the the low information voter. Remember that phrase that's been around for a while is the hope of those people who are running the political establishment. Uh, and, and that's a problem in this country. Nathan, I got to cut it here, my friend. We, I, I'm glad we were able to get through this and debunk uh, some of the narratives out there and hopefully open some people's eyes. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. It was a pleasure speaking with you this morning and speaking to all of your great listeners. Thank you. Uh, Nathan Klein on message pollster, former director of independent expenditures for America First on messageinc.com is his website. You can join me live on the David Webb show Monday to Friday, nine to noon east on Sirius XM Patriot 125.